It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, September 15th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka Unified Command announced another resident case of the coronavirus on Friday. The man is in his 20s and did not have symptoms at the time of testing on September 3rd, according to a city press release. That brings Sitka's cumulative case count to 59, 42 resident cases and 17 non-resident cases. Five cases have been reported in the last two weeks, and two cases are active, according to the latest update. Sitka Unified Command has created a metric for public health recommendations based on the number of active cases in the community. Right now, Sitka is operating at the low or yellow alert level. The recommendations include wearing face masks when six-foot distancing can't be maintained, limiting the size of gatherings, reducing bar capacity by half and requiring employees to to wear face masks, and opting for delivery or carryout from restaurants when possible. The state of Alaska has told hatchery operators in southeast Alaska that it is ending a program that provides funding for king and coho salmon production. The announcement leaves the future of the Crystal Lake hatchery on southern Mitkoff Island near Petersburg up in the air. Joe Vignicki reports. Crystal Lake is owned by the state, which contracts out its operations to the Ketchikan-based Southern Southeast Regional Aquaculture Association for just over $517,000 a year. King salmon produced there are released near Petersburg, along with other sites in Anita Bay near Wrangell, Neats Bay near Ketchikan, and Port St. Nicholas near Craig. On average, about 40% of all Alaska hatchery Chinook caught in Southeast are from Crystal Lake. We're uh, proud of that. We're happy that that, uh, that Crystal Lake Hatchery is a, is a highly productive operation. We're, we're pleased that, that so many sport and commercial fishermen are able to benefit from that, and uh, we'd certainly like to see it continue. David Landis is general manager of the regional nonprofit aquaculture association known by its acronym SARA. It's going to be difficult. I won't uh, mince any words there. It's There's a funding shortfall, and it's going to be hard to, to fill those gaps because SARA has had several years of poor returns from our cost recovery fish. And uh, so we're, we're in a deficit situation to begin with, uh, and this certainly isn't helping. He's referring to notification from the state that it's ending the Division of Sport Fish's Southeast Enhancement Program. The division has used money from a surcharge on sport fishing licenses to pay for some of that program, along with federal sport fishing money. The license surcharge was meant to pay off debt for construction of sport fish hatcheries in Anchorage and Fairbanks. With those bonds paid off, it ends this year. Department of Fish and Game Commissioner Doug Vincent Lang writes in an email he's directed this program to be discontinued because of the loss of this funding and other budget pressure. Vincent Lang writes that sport fish license revenue has declined by over $5 million because of a steep drop in tourism with the pandemic restricting travel. Fish and Game is already cutting programs because of that. Vincent Lang writes his department would be forced to cut other existing programs in its budget to continue funding for southeast hatcheries. Governor Dunleavy introduced bills this year to continue that surcharge to pay for hatchery operations and maintenance. Those didn't move out of the House or Senate before the end of this year's COVID-shortened session. Vincent Lang writes he hopes to have the legislation considered again. Quote, if it passes, our intent is to use some of the proceeds to continue this project given its benefits, unquote, Vincent Lang writes. There are four full-time hatchery employees at Crystal Lake. Two have been with Sarah for two decades or more. The hatchery started as a state project in 1973, initially using king eggs from the Columbia River. It later switched to eggs taken from a tributary of the Stikine River near Wrangell. The state also looked at closing it 20 years ago before Sarah took over operations. 
Landis says Sarah needs the state funding to continue running Crystal Lake. It was unexpected to have to uh, grapple with this particular issue. We've got plenty of other things to uh, to go around uh, and, and budget impacts, especially with our deficit cost recovery situation. But um, we'll we'll tackle this head on and, and hopefully come to a conclusion that will will be positive. That contracted cost recovery fishing normally pays for annual operations, but returns have been poor for three years. The regional nonprofit had to borrow $5 million from the state last year and expects to be forced to do that again in 2020, despite budget cutting and spending down reserves. Sarah's contract with the state for Crystal Lake runs through next June. Sarah's board next meets October 30th, and the facility's future will be on the agenda. In Petersburg, I'm Joe Nikki. The budget crunch in the state's hatchery program may be offset somewhat by an infusion of federal funding. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has announced that it's setting aside more than half a billion dollars for fishermen hurt by tariffs associated with the U.S.-China trade war. While many in the industry are applauding the move, others worry they'll be left out. KRBD's Eric Stone reports. Jeremy Leighton is a dive fisherman based in Ketchikan. That means that as often as he can, he spends his days on the cold, murky seafloor looking for sea cucumbers and gooey duck clams. He was among the first Alaskans to see the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. Most of Alaska's gooey duck clam harvest is sold to consumers in China. And when China locked down as the coronavirus spread, demand for the husky bivalves collapsed and managers closed the market. Leighton and other fishermen were already facing a tough market. They were already looking at a 25% tariff on seafood exported to China. Well, so the last year, our prices dropped um, since the trade war well, I guess it would be a trade war, but the, the tariffs were put on. But it's not just gooey duck fishermen. Francis Leach heads up United Fishermen of Alaska, a fishing industry group. China seems to be one of the biggest markets um, for a lot of our seafood products in Alaska. Um, and not just um, buying them for consumption, but also processing. We send a lot of seafood over to China to be processed. Now, Leighton and thousands of other U.S. fishermen could be eligible for a new program designed to help fishermen hurt by the tariff on seafood. It's an agriculture department initiative called the Seafood Trade Relief Program. U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan says it's a new twist on an old trade war strategy. There has been longstanding U.S. Department of Agriculture programs that provide relief to farmers when their products exported are hit with retaliatory tariffs. And what I've been arguing to the president and his entire team is that um, if the farmers get that kind of relief, then our fishermen should get that kind of relief as well. Sullivan calls the program historic. He says it's the first time the USDA has set aside money for fishermen in response to retaliatory tariffs, though other federal agencies and programs often provide assistance to Alaska fishermen. A wide variety of fishermen are eligible. The USDA says it'll provide cash transfers based on licensed fishermen's total 2019 landings, 16 cents a pound for salmon, 4 cents a pound for herring, and a whopping 76 cents a pound for gooey duck clams. 16 of the 19 species included in the program are harvested in Alaska. Including four kinds of crab, pollock, sablefish, and more. So $500 million for fishermen. Great news, right? Right now, we probably have, I would say, more questions than we have answers at this point in time. 
That's Southeast Alaska Regional Dive Fisheries Association co-executive director Phil Doherty. He says he's concerned that one key species often exported to China was left off the list, sea cucumbers. Leach, the UFA director, says that's because the fishery didn't see a big enough loss due to the tariffs based on USDA's calculations. She says halibut didn't meet the threshold either. And the reason for that is because halibut is a domestic market. That's We don't... Um, market that as much internationally. So it was not, halibut was not impacted as much by the trade war. But she encourages anyone who might be eligible to apply. The, the fish haven't been coming back. A lot of species are not doing so well. So commercial fishermen have really seen a downturn um, in a lot, a lot of areas. And so it's, you know, my advice to commercial fishermen is, you know, get if there's this opportunity to get some funding to to go on and apply for it. Leighton, the gooey duck and sea cucumber diver, says he's not sure whether he will. He says he's not had much luck with federal pandemic aid programs yet. It's difficult for us to actually get them. I've applied for three of them and I've gotten a thousand dollars. He says it's hard to keep track of all the paperwork, receipts, bills, and such. He says he'll take a look at the requirements and decide whether to apply. For Alaska's Energy Desk, I'm Eric Stone in Ketchikan. The application for the Seafood Trade Relief Program goes live September 14th and is open through December 14th. You can find that online at farmers.gov seafood. Bars in Juneau closed for indoor service on Saturday following a spike in residents testing positive for COVID-19. An emergency order gave just 16 hours notice for bars that don't serve food to shift to outdoor service only. It also requires restaurants to reduce their capacity to 50 percent. Deputy City Manager Mila Cosgrove says the decision was made swiftly on Friday after getting word of more positive cases from Juneau's Public Health Nursing Department. Right as we were getting ready to leave for the day, literally like right at 5 o'clock, uh, we got notified by Public Health that there were another seven positive test results that had come in, so that brought the total positive tests up to 18 for the day. Cosgrove noted that those later results were reported publicly by the city on Saturday. So far, more than a dozen cases have been linked to a large social gathering that took place at the end of August, attended by some people who work in Juno's bar and restaurant industry. Cosgrove says public health believes the cases from Friday were a mix of individuals linked to that event and community spread. That was enough to concern us to think that we should slow things down until we get, got an opportunity to finish the testing and see what the test results look like. The emergency order is in effect for 14 days, but Cosgrove says the city may extend or lift it as needed. Bars that have outdoor areas can continue to operate, but patrons must wear a mask when ordering drinks inside. The same thing applies to breweries. Cosgrove said city staff will be monitoring businesses periodically to make sure they're complying. Overall, she said the response has been good from bar and restaurant owners. The city recommends anyone who visited a bar in Juneau between late August and early September get tested, even if they don't have symptoms. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.